Welcome to another inspirational message from Gateway Life Church. We're so glad that you've joined us and trust that this podcast will be a blessing to you. Well, welcome again. And uh, in case you don't know, our theme for 2021 here at Gateway is called The Table. And uh, so it's been a great start. We're looking at this, uh, you know, this whole theme. Uh, we've been looking at it since uh, the beginning of the year. In fact, our, our January series was called Reset the Table. You know, there's nothing like a, a table that's been reset. Have you ever had a, a massive gathering of people? Perhaps think about Christmas or some birthday event. And by the end of the night, the table is a mess. And there's dishes stacked up here and there, and there's nothing quite like, you know, if you're, if you're my wife, uh, my wife is like, no, I'm going to, you know, clean it all up now because I don't want to wake up to a, uh, like a messy table. And uh, so that's what she says. And of course, when I hear her say that, I get right on board and help her. Um, so there's nothing like a table that's being reset. And uh, we've been looking at, you know, this uh, theme uh, again throughout February. And uh, I just want to ask you, have you ever considered... Uh, just how much uh, life revolves around the table. Because tables, they are centerpieces within our homes, within cafes, restaurants, or schools, and offices. But a table is much more than just a common piece of furniture. In actual fact, it's also a reflection of what Jesus came to continually build, which is the local church. And Jesus is not only the head of the table, being the church, he is also the centerpiece of the table, being the bread of life. You know, there's nothing like the smell of freshly baked bread on the table. Now, if you're a keto, uh, then you're like into gluten-free. Um, so, but whatever. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 35, he declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. You know, that's my story before I came to know Jesus. I was hungry for all kinds of things. You know, I was trying to, uh, to fill a spiritual empty stomach by earthly and worldly means. And you're going to be perpetually frustrated if you're the kind of person who's trying to fill a spiritually empty stomach on worldly and carnal and fleshly means. And I was looking for love in all the wrong places and faces until I came face to face with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that changed everything. Everything. You know, uh, for those of you who know me well, like I'm big on dates. I don't, I don't forget the big dates like the time when I first met my, uh, my beautiful wife, Trina, June, uh, sorry, March 28. <laughs> I never forget the big dates. <laughs> March 28, 1989. But on June, don't laugh at me, but on June 18, 1989, I had my first encounter with Jesus. I've never forgotten it. So powerful. I came to God, I came to the table expecting a pointing of the finger, pointing out all my faults, all my issues, all my mistakes. Instead, I came to the table and found two arms stretched out wide saying, welcome home. I've been waiting for you. And what's so awesome 
and so beautiful about the table of the Lord is that it's surrounded by end, an endless number of chairs and there's one seat especially reserved for you. Even if you don't know there's a seat reserved, there's one especially reserved for you. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying to someone here and also online that there's a seat for you at His table. But the question is, will you accept His great invitation to come to the table? You know, the thing I love about the Lord's table is that it positions me at a particular place surrounded by people who not only have a history, but a journey. We're all on a journey, but also a people that have a destiny. And here at Gateway Life Church, we're not so much really interested in your history because every single one of us have a history that we're not proud of. Every single one of us, that clearly includes me, we all have a history that we're not proud of. And God knows all about it, and yet He loves us anyway. But what He's really interested in is that the journey that we're on and our destiny. And right now, what I want to turn your attention to is the screen because we're going to hear a story from a, a great young lady by the name of Giselle Hafer. And she's over here today. And uh, we're going to hear a story about someone who said yes to Jesus' invitation to come to the table. And we're going to hear her story, what happened when she said yes. I remember uh, Giselle, she reached out to the church. Uh, I, th I believe it was at the end of 2019. And uh, she just messaged the church and uh, just wanted to, she was looking for a church. She grew up like myself, uh, really within a Catholic system. And I praise God for those days because uh, they've led me to these days. And so I reached out to her. It took a while for us to, you know, finally connect. But I felt the Holy Spirit really saying, hey, remember her, uh, get in touch with her. And uh, now her and her family and husband are a part of the furniture. Uh, but without further ado, why don't you sit back and relax, be refreshed and enjoy uh, this story of someone, uh, of what happens when someone says yes to Jesus' invitation. Thanks, team. Good morning, everyone. So sorry that I couldn't be there in person and to share my testimony with you. But thank our God for technology. I'm able to do this online. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Giselle. Um, I'm a wife and I like to believe super mum to three young, beautiful babies who definitely keep me very, very busy. Um, so I've been attending Gateway Church since about May, June um, last year. And um, prior to attending and reaching out to Pastor Jason, I felt this, um, this pull to come to church, to find a church and come to church and to read my Bible and to really study God's Word. Um, and after I came to church, I have to say it was a very different experience because, you know, growing up and going to school in a Catholic family, it was obviously um, a very different way of going to church and just seeing how you all openly um, praise God and worship God was definitely very refreshing for me and also very admiring because that's that's how I knew that this is my church and for my family because it 
I just love how you openly worship and um, definitely taught me that and that's how I have been doing it and just seeing myself grow and do that I loved it um, so prior to attending and um, reading the Bible you know within the early stages of coming um, I found out unfortunately with my doctors that um, I've been showing convincing signs of multiple sclerosis so um, at the time of finding out at first I was very angry and um, full of anxiety because I didn't know any better and I sad enough to say at the time I didn't know God's Word well enough um, to help me get through it and to think with my faith um, so in my heart I feel like this pull to come to church and to start reading and learning it was Jesus's way of pulling me towards knowing him on a deeper level and I believe it was his way of saying that I need you to know that you're gonna need me and that I'm in your corner um, and I'm gonna help you get through it so of course like I said finding out I was angry um, I mean I'm a young mom to three children and I thought that at that stage I wasn't capable of doing anything for my family anymore um, I forgot myself I forgot my husband I forgot my children my family my household and it was safe to say that at this at this stage the devil was winning he was winning me at this stage for the next eight months or so I was experiencing around six seizures a day um, and I was full of fear and angst and I was afraid of being alone. Um, I was being treated for my seizures where they were very slowly reducing but not completely stopping my attacks. And um, however, during this very difficult time, I kept reading my Bible and eagerly waiting each and every single Sunday to come to church with my children and just to hear his prophetic words. So I remember telling Pastor Jason that I wish church was every day. And he taught me that church doesn't have to be in a building, it can be anywhere. Um, you just can praise and worship God anywhere. So I was so hungry for my faith and I wanted it to keep growing. I kept on reading and I was actually learning God's word and God's word is a forever faithful and forever keeping promise. Um, and the Bible is full, absolutely full of his promises and that's what I'm learning. So I attended the um, Holy Spirit encounter on a Saturday and I didn't fully know what to expect at this stage. Um, but after attending and singing songs of worship and praise, um, all I can say in Pastor Jason's words is, wow, wow, wow. Um, that was actually the day that I can say I wholeheartedly, my whole heart, I surrendered all my fears and anxieties to God that day. I left it at Jesus's feet. Um, <sighs> It says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7, Don't be afraid about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. And that is exactly what I did. I prayed. I prayed with my whole heart. And I experienced His peace. I experienced His peace. And... How incredible and how beautiful his peace truly is. It's comforting. I can safely now say that I've been seizure free for almost a month now. 
and my recent MRI this year, proud to say and blessed to say that there was no new lesions on my brain. And this is an amazing, amazing sign to show because MS is a progressive disease. Um, and this is an illness that quickly progresses. So the fact that within the two MRIs within a six month period showed nothing, no further progression, that's the work of God and the work of all your prayers for me and the prayers of my family. My neurologist is 99% sure that I do have MS. He's still highly convinced, but I have a God. And although I may have this problem, my God is bigger than any problem. He is bigger and he is greater. So on the day of the Holy Spirit encounter, I wrote the words MS on a paper and all the anxieties and fears I had around this illness. And I shredded it in the shredder. I walked up right to that shredding machine and I shredded it. And it felt so good. And I felt so at peace to finally surrender it all to Jesus. And I burnt my, I burnt the bridges to my old ways of thinking and my old ways of doing things. I wasn't going to let this illness define me anymore. My God knows me. He says in Jeremiah chapters one to chapters one, verse five, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. I'm so thankful to Pastor Jason and to Pastor Trina because I have learnt and grown so much just by coming to church. And I've grown so much in my journey and in my faith. One of the things I always knew was the power of prayer. But actually praying out loud, rather than just bowing my head down and praying in silence like I was taught, it's so comforting hearing people pray for you and what they have to say for you. There is such a beautiful peace and comforting feeling. And it makes me so proud that my daughter Amariah, who is five years old, now knows how to pray out loud for people. If you complain for anything as simple as a headache, she will place one hand on your head and one hand on her heart and pray to Jesus out loud for you that he heals you of your pain. So this is exactly what I'm going to do for you all now. So if you all want to stand or bow your heads, I would like to pray for all of you and pray with you. My Lord Jesus, we all have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. I pray for our mind and our heart to be transformed in your name, Jesus. Every day here on this earth, is an opportunity to draw closer to you. I pray that we do not fear all things in this life because our help comes from the power of the Almighty and that is you, my Lord Jesus. You, our Lord God, do not slumber. You are the creator of both the heavens and the earth. Jesus, you hear us when we call. And the verse that comes to my mind when I hear this is in Isaiah chapter 4, verses 1. Chapter 41, verse 10 is, You say to us, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So Jesus, I pray that our circumstances in this life do not define us. You watch 
and protect us, Jesus. You watch our coming and our going, both now and forevermore. In your almighty name, Jesus, I pray. I pray for you all at Gateway. I pray for you all. And I thank you for listening to my testimony. And I hope to see you all again very soon. God bless you all. Thank you, Giselle. Let's give her a hand of thanks. Thank you. Powerful. Remain standing just for a few more moments. Let's just continue to pray. And so, Father, I just thank you for just blessings all over this place, both on site and online from the front to the back and upstairs in Gateway Kids. We thank you, dear God, that you love us with an everlasting love and with loving kindness you have drawn us. And I just pray for every single person because I know that everyone's going through something. There are people here who uh, are just in pain. It could be physical pain in the body. It could be emotional pain. But Lord, your word tells us that you've come to heal both all of our sicknesses and diseases. And you've also come to heal the broken heart. And so I thank you for an anointing in this place. And that each one would encounter you personally. Just like a Holy Spirit encounter moment. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your presence to comfort those who feel uncomfortable perhaps right now or just those who need uh, your embrace. I thank you that you are the comforter and I thank you that throughout the rest of this service, you'll just continue to speak to us and may each one have a gift of faith to respond according to what you're telling each one of us to do. Perhaps we need to reposition ourselves and get more in alignment with your word and will for our lives concerning our next step. Perhaps we need to forgive someone. Perhaps we need to let some things go because they're only weighing us down. So Lord, whatever it is, I thank you for faith to be released, to release the things that hold us back in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand of thanks as we're seated? Thank you so much. You may be seated. I want to talk about four opportunities for discipleship around the table, according to a great leader by the name of Moses. And so Moses was a great leader. He was actually an international deliverer. Moses, in actual fact, was someone who didn't think that he could speak. When God first began to call him, Moses thought that God had called the wrong guy. And so Moses said, hey, what about my brother Aaron? Because he is very eloquent in speech, but I can't really talk. God, you're asking the wrong guy to go and speak into this situation. And it was God who said, who made man's mouth? Who gave you your tongue? And so God then, you know, subsequently began to strengthen uh, the faith of Moses and give him confidence to go. There's a passage found in Deuteronomy, uh, which is a scripture that I, uh, that I always use when we have baby dedication services. If you don't know what that is, uh, that's for another time. But today, I want to talk specifically about four opportunities for discipleship. And so my key passage today, uh, which is also Gateway Word of the Week, which will be posted this afternoon on all of our social media pages, being our Gateway Facebook, Instagram. Um, Our Gateway Word of the Week is Deuteronomy chapter 6, 
verses 5 to 8 and verse 12. And this is the place where Moses addresses a massive congregation, the congregation of Israel. And he explains to them how to pass on their faith to the next generation. And it's here that Moses mentions four specific opportunities to talk about faith. And so let's pick it up now in verse 5. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That basically includes everything. Verse 6, it says, These commandments that I give you today, this is the instruction of Moses under the leading of the Holy Spirit. These commandments that I give you here today are to be upon your hearts. It says, impress them on your children. Now, I know what it's saying in this context when it says impress them. But can I just say to us as believers, I think it's okay to be impressive to others who are not yet in the faith or perhaps those who are not perhaps where you are in the faith. But when I saw the word impress them on your children, I just want to say to everyone who you know, calls on the name of the Lord and, and claims to be a believer, be also a follower. And be impressive. What am I talking about when I say be impressive? I'm talking about be impressive when it comes to what Christianity is all about, when it comes to humility, when it comes to teachability, receptivity, and Christ-likeness. I see a lot of people who want to worship God all day and read His Word all day. They're two great desires. But if that doesn't lead you to become more like Christ, you need to get a new doctrine. You need to do something different because you can't separate God's Word and the person of God. Impress them. Be impressive. When it comes to humility, number one, teachability, the, the desire to love and serve God by loving and serving people. This is the example that Jesus set. In case there are you know, some people here who are exploring faith in Christ, Jesus said, I have not come to be served. I've come to serve. Uh, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. In case you don't know what a frontlet is, a frontlet was a small box that they used to position about this area of the forehead. And in that little box that was tied to their forehead, in the box were scriptures, the great testimonies and the things that God had already done, and the Ten Commandments. So they would position it just here, so that it was always before them. And... And, uh, and it says, And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. Verse 12, it says, Be careful that you forget not the Lord who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. And so, just very quickly, according to this passage, there are four opportunities for discipleship, which are all found in verse 7. Number one, when you sit at home, Number two, when you walk along the road. Number three, when you lie down. And number four, when you get up. These are four opportunities for discipleship outside of a Sunday, even outside of a life group. And the thing I love about this is that every single person already practices these four simple activities every day. 
And it's in these activities where God can so just show up so powerfully if we're looking for Him. If we're looking for Him. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 3, it says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so some of the most defining moments in our lives in terms of discipleship and growth take place as a result of asking the right questions, which is something that we can all do. Every single one of us are already asking questions. Can someone get me a tissue? Because I am sweating, because I'm going for it up here. I'm having a good time. I'll saturate this shirt. I don't care. (laughs) All right. And so great questions are powerful. And great questions come as an unexpected surprise for the listener and causes them to think more deeply. Sometimes I've caught up with someone over coffee and I'll say, so how are you doing? Oh, yeah, fine. How are you doing? Really? That one extra word just makes all the difference and causes the hearer to dig a little bit deeper as they begin to share their feelings. And I want everyone here to know that the Bible is full of questions. God, our Heavenly Father, knows the power of asking powerful questions. In fact, according to the Esau, uh, the Esword, I was going to say Esau. Is that like a donkey in Eeyore? No, that's Eeyore. Okay. <laughs> in fact, according to the Esword Bible search, of all 66 books in the Bible, there's a total of 3,298 questions asked from cover to cover. 302 questions are asked in the Pentateuch, which is actually the first five books. If you ever hear the word Pentateuch, that represents the first five books of the Bible. 302 questions are asked there. 715 questions are in the historical books. 588 questions are in the wisdom books. 494 questions are in the major prophets. 175 questions are in the minor prophets. And 1,024 are in the New Testament. In the Gospels, Jesus asks many more questions than he has answers. And to be precise, Jesus asks 307 questions in the four Gospels. Jesus himself is asked 183 questions and he responds with 180 questions. So he's asked 183, responds to the question with a question and answers only three people directly. And so asking questions was central to Jesus' way of bringing discipleship and leadership development. And as I said earlier, please don't miss next Sunday as we talk about not only what's next with the man and our men's ministry, but leadership development. I'm excited. And so here's four questions that anyone here can ask of your family, your friends, or in your life group. Let's go through four simple questions. Number one, you can ask the question, what went well today? What went well today? Which is actually a deeper question than how you doing? Now, I'm not saying that how you doing is not a bad question to ask. It's not a bad little icebreaker as you begin to go a little bit deeper. But simply putting it, 
You're just asking how someone's day went and you're giving them the opportunity to exercise Thanksgiving. And so growing up as a family, when we would, uh, when we would gather around the table, we would have these times uh, with our kids where we would just ask the question, so what went well today at school? Or how was the party? Uh, what did you enjoy? Even what didn't you enjoy? Number two. So once again, we're giving people the opportunity to exercise Thanksgiving. Number two, were there any challenges? It's a part of life, yeah? Challenges are a part of life. Hey, don't think that if you come to faith in Jesus, that it's going to be one massive tiptoe through the tulips. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. That's a false doctrine. (laughs) There's a reason why Jesus said, take up your cross each day. Because in doing so, You're growing in endurance and uh, in strength and so on. But were there any challenges today? And I believe that it's important to understand that not everything that happens throughout the day is fun-filled or thrilling. And sometimes things happen that make us even angry or sad. But what's important is that there's a a table, there's a place provided, a a space where people can talk openly and freely. I believe that having a safe place to talk about such feelings will, uh, they lead to some of the most meaningful and memorable moments in life. And they're actually, it's those kinds of conversations that have actually really connected me all the more to people relationally. As they sit across from me and know that they're not being judged, knowing that they don't have to perform, cross every T, dot every I. I'm not about that life. That life doesn't exist. And again, growing up with our girls, as our our kids began to get a little bit older, uh, one of the ways that we would start these kinds of conversations when it comes to uh, providing a safe place for people to talk is when my wife, Trina, and myself would begin those kinds of conversations. So we'd talk about what didn't go well. Uh, We'd talk about uh, what was a great challenge. And so in my family and in various friendships, we've laughed together, we've cried together, We've grieved together. We've counseled and comforted one another, stirred up and encouraged one another, all because we created a safe place to be vulnerable, which, as I said, began primarily with Trina and myself. You see, the the reality is this. Every single person here wants someone where they can just go blur and just get things out. But we're taught to so hold it all together I think men in particular, I think women are very good at just going blah, 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 you know, just getting things off their chest. Okay, I mean that very kindly, and I think it's something, it's something, it's a good example for us to follow. But men are taught to suck it up, size one another up, compare ourselves with another. But that's not what Christ came to to teach us. He said to humble ourselves and to be free, to humble ourselves. And so this is what's great about our men's ministry. One of the most common forms of feedback we get about our men's ministry is like, wow, I've never seen uh, a space where men just come and talk. It's because it's modeled by so many in the group. And I love it because I can just sit back, drop a word, and then just watch it all happen. I love that. Number three. Another question you can ask is, and this is a question that we often ask and and was a question that we would ask of our girls, even now, 
We ask the question, if you had your time again, would you do anything differently? And it's a great question to ask because it's very reflective and it causes people to uh, take a step back um, to consider what they could have done differently or said differently, which is a great opportunity to grow in knowledge and in wisdom, especially when we look at God's Word, if we're humble. Got to be humble at the table. Got to sit down, be humble. Number four. What do you believe God's Word says about this situation? What do you believe? You know, I, I've talked about all kinds of things with all kinds of people. And that's one of my questions. It's like, okay, I hear what you're saying. I've heard you. What do you think as a believer is your part in this? What would God want you to do? I know that what happened was unjust. I know that what happened was perhaps not fair. What would God want you to do? What's your part? Is it to forgive? Is it to forgive? Because if you want to be forgiven, I've said, we've got to forgive. You see, love covers a multitude of sins. And so four simple questions which create four intentional moments for conversation and discipleship. In, in Revelation chapter uh, 3, verse 20, uh, Jesus said, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to them and dine with them. What does dining speak of? It speaks of coming to a table. I will dine with them and them with me. And that's the story that we heard about today with Giselle. That's what happens when someone says yes and opens up the door to Jesus. I just wonder if anyone here has ever consciously opened up the door to Jesus. Because I know this, whether you know him or not, this is what's happening. Just the gentle knock of the Holy Spirit, the gentle knock of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And I just want to ask, can you hear that knock? Can you hear something just tugging at the string of your heart? If that's you, I just want to lead you in a prayer, a very simple prayer. It's a prayer that says, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Come into my life and help me to be the person you've destined me to be. And if you just know that you need to pray that prayer today, why don't you pray after me? So I'll pray and I want to help you and lead you in a prayer. So I'll pray, then you repeat after me. Are you ready? Okay. Dear Father in heaven, that's right, that's when you pray. Dear Father in heaven, I come before you this day and I open up the door of my heart and I ask you to come in. I don't know everything about you, but I'm glad that you know everything about me and you love me. And so this day, I ask that you would forgive me of all my sins and make me clean on the inside. Help me now to be the person you've created me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just as a sign and, uh, you know, to the and a testimony that you prayed that prayer today.
uh, perhaps for the first time or you've rededicated your life to him, would you just lift up your hand just as a, a sign saying, yes, I prayed that prayer today. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Praise God. That is so beautiful. Bless you, man. So proud. You've got such a great heart. I'm telling you, you've got such a great heart. We have just something we'd like to give you. And uh, so thank you, Alyssa. So, so that little pack that we gave you will just help you in your faith. Okay, so you've, just be, you've taken the first step today. Okay, and it's a lifelong journey. So uh, faith in Christ is not a sprint, it's a marathon. You know, I could live 20 committed lifetimes to Jesus and there would always be something for me to discover about him. So how about we pray for all of those who have responded. And uh, Father, we say thank you so much for these beautiful people who have great hearts. They've got great hearts. And this was their appointed time. And uh, Lord, even for those online. And so God, we pray that you would strengthen them in their faith in Jesus' name. And I pray a blessing over everyone. We thank you for today, for the worship. It was so inspiring. It was so powerful uh, through the offerings and uh, everything else that we've seen and heard today. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's give the Lord a hand of thanks. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Gateway Life Church. For more information, please visit gatewaylifechurch.org.au. God bless and have a great day.